Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, saints, we're coming, or sisters, or two brothers. Uh, we're coming to message four. Loving the Lord with the first love. Enjoying the Lord as the tree of life. And being the golden lampstand as the testimony of Jesus. For the building up of the new Jerusalem. As the goal of God's eternal economy. Wow, what a, what a title. Amen. Uh, sisters, how about you read it? Loving the Lord with the first love. Amen. 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 How about we um, we read line by line this line, read it, loving the Lord with the first love, and this one, loving the Lord with the first love. We'll read it through again. Okay. Wonderful. Okay, let's come to Roman number one. In Revelation 2.7, the tree of life signifies the crucified, implied in the tree as a piece of wood, according to 1 Peter 2.24, and resurrected. This is the crucified and resurrected Christ. He's implied in the life of God in John 11.25. Christ who today is the church. What is the church? We'll say, who is the church? Christ. Christ. So this wonderful tree of life is actually the church. Who who is the crucified and resurrected Christ? The consummation of the church will be the new Jerusalem. Many people um, think that when they die, they go off to heaven. Um, some of us who got a little bit more enlightened, we realized, no, actually, we go off to the New Jerusalem. But actually, the concept is the same, just the names are different. But this actually shows the church life becomes the New Jerusalem. Like, even Hebrews tells us, we have come to the New Jerusalem. The church life is a miniature of the new Jerusalem. Amen? <clears throat> so we're, it's consummated. It's the end result of the church life is uh, a corporate mingling of God with man. So in this new Jerusalem in which the crucified and resurrected Christ will be the tree of life for the nourishment and enjoyment of all God's redeemed people for eternity. So, what are you going to be enjoying in eternity? 
you're going to be enjoying the tr- Christ as the tree of life for eternity. Okay, makes sense. What should we be doing now? Right? You know, when people think about heaven, they have all kinds of wild imaginations of what they're going to be doing up there. Some think they're going to be playing golf. Uh, Billy Graham one time said, I will be evangelizing probably the planets, going to preach the gospel on the planets. I'm not sure if there's going to be anybody listening. But any, anyway, you know, people have all of these kind of thoughts and, and, and some think what you don't have on earth, uh, you're going to be able to enjoy up there. So if you've got a little, little shack here, you'll get a mansion up there. Um, but actually, it's, it's a pagan thought. It's not a Christian thought. Heaven, heaven is pagan. It's a, it's a thought that natural unbelievers have. It's the thought that religious people have. We have a suffering life on earth, but don't worry. There's going to be a nice future. And, you know, people have all these kind of things. They, you know, a child dies and they just let a balloon go and it sails off into the air. And they, you know, they say, this is the child going off to a happy place. It's, it's just fake. It's fake. We have, to, we have to have a renewed view. What is the new Jerusalem? The new Jerusalem is the consummation of the church life which is eating Christ as the tree of life, who is the resurrected, crucified and resurrected one that we enjoy. This is, praise the Lord, this is what we got. And of course, if you want a verse to prove that, that um, uh, we're going to be enjoying the tree of life, you have Revelation 2.7, the promise to the overcomers, uh, I will give to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Is the church life your paradise? Yeah, it is, right? Uh, We know there's another paradise. But the church life is a paradise. We're eating the tree of life here. And then you also have uh, Revelation uh, 22. It says, on this side, on that side of the river, was the tree of life, producing 12 fruits and yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. This is in the New Jerusalem. The tree of life is there. And then another, another reference in verse 14 of chapter 22. This is the last book, the last chapter in the Bible. Blessed are those who wash their robes. So who has the right to the tree of life? The good people? Those that have been on that good branch, working pretty hard at it? I think I've been doing pretty good. I think God will accept me. It's not going to be those people. Who is it? The people who wash their robes. Who washes their robes? Yeah, that's. Are you a sinner with dirty robes? Or were you a sinner with dirty robes? Yeah, we need the blood of Christ to wash us. So the qualification to come to the tree of life is being washed, believing in the Lord, receiving his washing. So blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. So, praise the Lord. The beginning of the Bible, we have the tree of life. The end of the Bible, the consummation is the tree of life. And now, we're having and enjoying the tree of life. Amen. Okay, this message is stressing the matter of loving the Lord. 
right, and enjoying him as the tree of life. And it results in producing the church life. So Roman numeral 2, the churches in Asia, including the church in Ephesus, had turned away from the Apostle Paul's betrothing ministry. So he wrote to Timothy, right? This is the last book that Paul wrote. And he said to Timothy, this you know, all who are in Asia have turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Man, would you like your name in the Bible? I'd, I'd like my name to be like Timothy, right? Not, not uh, Philegus and, and Hermogenes who turn away from the apostle. So Paul is saying here, not every person in Asia, but generally there was a turning away from the ministry. And these two obviously took a lead in turning away uh, from the ministry. So that is, that is a sad situation that Paul raised up the churches, labored on the churches, wrote letters to the churches, visited the churches, and then toward the end of his life, they turned away. Maybe they had reason to. He was in prison. He, was, he must have done something wrong, right? He must have done something wrong. Otherwise, why would he be in prison? You know, there could be lots of things like that. And we know there were, there were lots of people, if you read Acts and the epistles, you see a lot of people were opposing Paul, attacking Paul. And it ended up with one's turning away from his ministry. You know, the enemy's temptation is to turn us from the ministry. You know, it can be a simple thing. Uh, read the news instead of the Bible. You know, read the news instead of the ministry book. It can be any, any kind of thing. Or people having a negative thought concerning the ministry. When you turn away from the ministry, you get into a very serious condition. And uh, he, it says in the outline here, Paul's betrothing ministry. Well, what does that mean? A betrothing ministry. You know, today we have people, they have bus ministries and children's ministries and prison ministries and all kinds of ministries. What's a betrothing ministry? We, we don't use that word much, do we? But, you know, you, you could say it's an engaging ministry. It's a ministry where you get somebody engaged to Christ. So when Paul preached the gospel, his thought was, the ones he's speaking to, he's introducing them to Christ that they could love him, get married to him. It's like he put the ring on their finger. <laughs> You're engaged. You're engaged to Christ. This was his feeling. Right? This was his feeling. He had a betrothing ministry. What a wonderful ministry. Eh? What a wonderful ministry. You, you imagine some preacher comes to town, preaches the gospel, and, and puts a ring on your finger and says, Now, you are going to marry Christ. <laughs> Keep yourself for him. Love him. Be single for him. This was, this was Paul's thought. Um, so we see approximately 26 years later when the Apostle John wrote the epistle to the church in Ephesus, they had left their first love. So Paul got them engaged, 
But 26 years later, the church had lost their love. They left their first love. Uh, and they lost the genuine enjoyment of Christ as a tree of life. That's why in the letter to the Ephesians, he says you have to repent and come back, and then you can get the tree of life. Do the first works. So you have to connect these two things, loving the Lord and eating the tree of life. If you love the Lord, you get the opportunity to eat him as life. If you don't love him, you won't eat him. You know, it's a bad illustration. Yeah, we love what we eat, right? We don't like stuff, we won't eat it. So we love the Lord, we eat him. We take him in and enjoy him as the tree of life. Now, in this matter of the betrothing ministry where Paul said, I have, this is in Second Corinthians 11 too, he says, I'm jealous over you. I'm jealous over you with a jealousy of God. So Paul in his ministry, he, he actually was like God. His jealousy was actually God's jealousy. You, you ask a question. Is jealousy good? Is it? Oh, we can be jealous on, on dumb things. No, oh, man, I'm jealous. You've got such a nice pair of shoes. <laughs> you know, oh, that's a nice coat or, you know, something like that. But here, here his jealousy actually was a proper jealousy because a proper man should be jealous about his wife. If, if, you, if a man comes to talk to your wife uh, and hang out with your wife, you, you shouldn't have the thought, yeah, well, it's a free world and, you know, now, marriage doesn't mean that much anyway, does it? You know, it's just, um, yeah. But does that show? It shows there's no love. There's no love there. It's like, get away from my wife. Don't come back to my place ever. You know? That's the right attitude. That's the right attitude. But... That is, that's expressing the proper jealousy. And that jealousy shows there's the love there. If there's no jealousy, there's no love. So Paul, Paul was jealous um, because he loved the saints and he got the saints engaged to Christ. But look, look at the illustration he uses. He says, he said, of course, he betrothed them as a, as a, a pure virgin to Christ. But then he said in, in verse 3, he says, I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your thoughts, your thoughts would be corrupted from the simplicity and purity toward Christ. What is he saying here? He's saying, what's happening to you was the same thing that happened in the garden. You were just like Eve. Satan came, injected a thought in your mind, corrupted you. You took the way of knowledge. You didn't take the way of life. You took the way of knowledge. You got some other thought. You know, brothers and sisters, in the church life, we can have this experience. We have the purity toward the Lord. We love the Lord, 
And like some, some young people, they have this experience. And, and um, it's sad. It's sad to say this. But some want to come to the training, but their family is against it. And they give them all kinds of dumb reasons. No, it will affect your career. You know, no, it will put your marriage on hold. It may even stop you getting married and blah, blah. And all of these kind of thoughts. So their thoughts get corrupted from the purity and simplicity to just be for Christ and to love Christ. You know, one, one argument people use is that, um, you know, you, you probably end up, they'll talk you into being full-time. And it's not a proper job. Full-time is not a proper job. One time I talked to a doctor who was the father of a brother who was in the training, who was also a doctor. And uh, I, told the, I told the dad, I said, you know, being a doctor is not a, not a full-time job. It's a temporary job. He kind of looked at me. Everybody thinks, ooh, he's a doctor. Ooh, prestige, you know. Uh, I told him, no, it's not a proper job. Is it a proper job? Is being a doctor a proper job? Is it a full-time job? Is it? You know, he was working part-time because he's retiring. So it's not a full-time job. It's a temporary job. You, you, you may work full-time for a few years, but then it becomes temporary. You have to cut down your hours and you're getting older and then eventually you go up your job. So it's not a full-time job. What, what job on the earth is full-time? What, what job is full-time? You know, when we were in the full-time training in Taipei in, uh, in 87, they, they had this saying, God is full-time. Right? When you pray, you never get a message, uh, uh, office closed, um, uh, leave, leave, leave a message, you know, not available, you know. The Lord is full-time. Is Christ full-time? When, when you need your sins forgiven and you need to be saved, is He full-time? He doesn't say, oh, I come back, uh, you know, I'm busy now. No, he's full-time. He's, he's the full-time saviour. How about the spirit? Is the spirit full-time? So the trying God is full-time. Right? Well, how about the disciples? Were they full-time? Huh? Yeah, they were full-time, weren't they? Yeah, some of you don't look convinced. Of course they were full-time. They were with the Lord the whole time. Then the Lord commissioned them to gospelize the whole earth and they were full-time. God's economy was committed to this group of brothers and eventually the 120, including the sisters, to gospelize, to carry out God's economy. They were full-time. Right? And then, so if the disciples were full-time, how about in the kingdom age? Will you be full-time in the kingdom age? Huh? Well, well, how about the new Jerusalem? Is that part-time or full-time? Full-time. Okay, the question is, what should you be doing now? Yeah, you should be full-time now. Shouldn't it be part-time? So, what we're talking about is not only getting engaged, but getting a full-time job.
getting married, getting committed to the Lord. Amen. So the, the enemy's subtlety is to put thoughts in our mind to dilute our love to the Lord, to dilute our consecration to him. That's the subtlety of the enemy. You know, it should be, hey, I'm getting married. I'm getting married. I'm full time for this. I'm anticipating the bridegroom coming. You know, there's going to be a call. The bridegroom comes. Some were anticipating and they went out. Some, maybe they were doing another job and they didn't have enough oil and it was too late. They didn't get into the marriage supper. Though. This is full time. This is a serious this is a serious calling of the Lord that we would love Him. We are, got engaged to Him. We need to have Him as our first love. This is, this is our full-time, full-time job. So, we don't want to be corrupted. The verse says that your thoughts would be corrupted from the simplicity, right? And purity toward Christ. You know, it's very simple to say, I'm for the Lord. I'm loving Jesus. Right? I love the Lord. Yeah. What's your life for? It's for the Lord. I'm here for the Lord. And people go, man, that's pretty simple. Man, get a car, get a house, you know, get a good job, you know, get yourself established. No, you don't get yourself established, you get yourself distracted. You get distracted from what you're made for. None of us were made to have a house. None of us are made to have a car. And we just need these things. We're not made for these things. What are we made for? We saw the verse, we were made for glory. Right? We're created by the Lord, called by the Lord, made for glory to be filled with Him and express Him. So the subtlety of the enemy is to dilute your thought toward the Lord. And you lose the purity. You know, I mentioned, didn't I? The purity. You use the cup. It's pure. Nothing else. So, to, to have the purity toward the Lord in our love to the Lord, just don't love anything else. Just love Him. And the interesting thing is, when we have a, a, a good experience of the Lord, whether it's initial or later, we just want to love the Lord. And we just want to give ourselves to Him. It's just, nobody even has to tell us that. There's just a feeling. You know, I just want to give my life to the Lord. I just want to give myself to the Lord. That's an indication that the genuine experience of the Lord, getting engaged to Him, that person getting saved, got engaged to Him, just wants to be for the Lord. My people in, in history have given up all kinds of things. Some have given up fortunes. Yeah, there's a very rich person, inherited a lot, gave the whole thing to George Mueller for his orphanage, and then went by faith as a missionary. That's, that's CT stud, right? Pure. Pure toward the Lord. Like, like people like Hudson Taylor. Give up everything. Go to China. You know, not a welcoming. You know, going back to a backward country with superstition and prejudice, calling him a white devil, but still went there. 
Right? That's, what's that from? That's from a first love. That's from being touched by the Lord. And I think any person who has a genuine experience of the Lord wants to give themselves to the Lord, wants to love the Lord with their whole heart. And they do reckless things in the worldly people's eyes. Give up jobs. You know, I, I admired a young man when we were working on the campus in Auckland. There was a young man who was a medical student. He got saved, not through us. And, and he gave up his studies and became a full-timer on the campus preaching the gospel. You know, he, he, he was in a group that wasn't very happy with us. But I had to admire him. I had to admire him. Here's, a, here's a one who had a consecration to the Lord because he got saved, realized the value. More value in getting people saved than, you know, giving them aspros and stuff like that. So we have to realize our salvation, our calling from the Lord is to engage us to Christ. Engage us to Christ. And the enemy would try to turn us away from this purity and simplicity toward Christ. Turn us away from the ministry. Turn us away from those who minister life to us. The enemy will all the time try and turn us away. I don't know of, of any, especially in you know, recent history, any person who got opposed as much as Brother Lee. And the characteristic of Brother Lee's ministry was, you listen to his ministry, you just start to love the Lord, and give yourself to the Lord. He, he had a betrothing ministry. He would minister, and afterwards you consecrate yourself, you love the Lord. There's no pressure. It's just he unveils, he unveiled the beauty of Christ, and people just responded. You know, we, we were in Christianity, you know, doing those things that, that were a waste, you know, didn't produce much or anything. And then we touched this ministry and just wanted to be absolute. One of my colleagues said to me, I can't, I can't believe you. What you're in now has nothing to do, nothing like what we've been in. Praise the Lord. We were in Babylon. We didn't want anything like that. It's like something, something in us that caused us to give ourselves absolutely to the Lord. That's the right response. That's the right response. You know, the enemy wants to turn you away, so you lose your first love. How many have had the experience of losing their first love? If you're honest, probably both hands and both feet, right? <laughs> because the enemy hates it. But we come to a conference, come to a training, the fellowship, you're touched by the sharing of the brothers and sisters, the love, you get revived. All of you will have a revived love to the Lord after this weekend. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Because we're in the ministry, we're in the fellowship, and there's this betrothing atmosphere to be for the Lord and to love the Lord. Amen? Thank you, Lord. So A says that the genuine ministry of the New Testament always stirs us up to love the Lord Jesus with the first love. That's how you can tell. If what somebody is speaking and preaching, if it doesn't stir up your love for the Lord, you know where it's coming from. It's from that tree, not from this one. 
time. So the genuine ministry of the New Testament always stirs us up to love the Lord Jesus with the first love, strengthening us in the simplicity of eating and enjoying Christ as the tree of life for our life supply. We had an experience in 1977 and 78 where somebody came in to corrupt us. And, um, you know, Pauline's dad was a very consecrated Christian. He, he, he didn't see the Lord's recovery at this time. And, um, but he appreciated that his children loved the Lord and loved the Word. And we, in those days, we pray-read a lot, called on the Lord, pray-read. And during this period, we got corrupted and, and uh, there was not so much pray-reading and not so much calling. Uh, all of these things were questioned and not so much reading the ministry, all, all got questioned. And, and he, said, he said something like this, as something happened to you, you're not, you're not like you were. So we, we had the experience of, of somebody, the subtle one, coming in and diluting our love to the Lord. So you don't call on his name, you don't pray read, you don't read the ministry, you don't fellowship so much together. You might keep some of the outward things, but there's not that freshness, there's not that simplicity, there's not that burning love. And when you, when you have those experiences, really serious. Some people never recover from them. I am so thankful for the Lord, he had mercy. Some of us got recovered back to the first love. And then you, you don't want to hear those kind of things from anybody anymore. You know, you've you got the nose now. You've, uh, like you said, you've been burnt once. You're not, you're not going to get, take it again. So this is, this is the thing. The real ministry causes you to love the Lord and gives you more desire to eat Him and enjoy Him. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So B says, to love the Lord with the first love is to give Him the preeminence. Who has the preeminence in the church life? You know, if you talk to people from Christianity and they want to know something about, about our meeting, you know one of the first questions they ask? Who's the pastor? You know, in the denom... Don't say that. <laughs> I'll smack you. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the denominations, in the denominations, the pastor has a preeminence. It's all about him. Right? His standing. In the church side, who has preeminence? Christ has the preeminence. Brother Lee used use this term, you know, the church is the kingdom of God. The kingdom... Christ is the king. We are the dumb kingdom, right? He's the king, we're the dumb. You know, there's no, nobody has preeminence, you know. You know, in, 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 the, in the ministry, the brothers like, like Menorah, you know, it's wonderful that he has shared with us, he has this portion of Christ, but he's one of many brothers. He's not the brother. There's no the brother. You know, somebody goes, he's the leading brother. No, there's only one leading brother. This Jesus. Amen. 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 So we give him the preeminence, the first place in all things. How do we do that? By being constrained by his love 
to regard him and take him as everything in our life. So the Lord has the preeminence because we regard him, we take him as everything. We don't take Toby. Sorry, Toby. We, 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 we don't take you. We take the Lord. We're, we're, we're happy that you can come up here and tell us what songs to sing and stuff like that. But, but, we, but we, we don't take you and you don't take me. Right? We, we all take the Lord. We give him the preeminence and regard him as everything in our life. So we, um, we had the reading which read this verse in Revelation 2.4. I have one thing against you. You have left your first love. Um, you know, Colossians 1.18 says, He is the head of the body, that he might have the first place in all things. Christ is the head. He has the first place. He has the preeminence in everything. And, um, you know, when the Lord was asked, what is the great commandment? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's preeminence. Give him everything. And love your neighbor as you, as, in the same way. Right? Love the preeminence. Is Christ your preeminent love? Amen? Amen? Let me ask you again. Is Christ your preeminent love? Amen. Yeah, it should be. If you, if you can say amen, you are a normal, healthy believer. Amen. If you go, oh no, I love um, Harry, oh, you know, or George, or, oh, uh, you'll be disappointed. Jesus, Jesus never disappoints. George and Harry do, right? Okay, C says, Paul's concluding word to the epistle, uh, to the Ephesians is a blessing of grace to all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in incorruptibility. In the book of Ephesians, the phrase, in love, which is rich in feeling, is used repeatedly. So, he, he, he concludes, uh, grace is to all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in incorruptibility. What does it mean to love in incorruptibility? You know, human love is corruptible. Right? We, love, we, we, we love our kids and then we get mad and beat them up. Hope, hopefully the government doesn't find out about it and... <laughs> The police come. You know, the old days, anyway, we used to do that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's corrupt. It's not, it's, not, it's not incorruptible. Our human love is corruptible. But we are able to love the Lord in incorruptibility. All the things about the Lord are not corruptible. They're not corruptible. Any aspect of the Lord, you can love it. Any attribute is not corrupt. Well, this is something that's never going to corrupt, never going to change. Grace is all those who love the Lord like that. Okay? Let me just quickly skip through Ephesians and just give you these phrases. Uh, Ephesians 1.4. He chose us in love. So in eternity past, when he thought of you, he chose you. What was motivating him? Love. Right? And then you have Ephesians 3.17, you know that verse, that Christ may make his home in your hearts. 
that, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Right? This, is, this is having a home of love. And then, then he says in, in 4, talking about the relationship, we bear one another in love. The atmosphere. And then Ephesians 4, you know, when everybody functions, it's the building up of itself in love. The church is built up in love. Right? And then Ephesians 5, 2, walk in love. And then, of course, you have in Ephesians 5 as well, the fact that Christ loved the church. So this phrase, in love, shows in God's feeling toward us, his attitude toward us. So we can say, indeed, the goal of the book of Ephesians is to bring us into love. God's inner substance. Whoa. What's in God? You know, you, you, have, uh, you have this verse, God is love. That's his substance, his inner substance. And the goal of the book of, of Ephesians is to bring us into this. You know, when you're brought to love the Lord, you're brought into the substance, the inner substance of God. It's not just a, you know, a nice feeling. No, this is what God is. This is a substance that we may enjoy God as love, enjoy his presence in the sweetness of divine love, and thereby love one another as Christ is. Wow. We can enjoy God as love, enjoy his presence in the sweetness of divine love. Do you enjoy the Lord's presence? You know, we can't see the Lord. We can't touch the Lord, but we can sense in our spirit, his presence, the sweetness of it. And then when we, when we are touched by that, what happens? We love others with his love. Wow. Do you want to be brought into the inner substance of God? Ooh. Thank you, Lord. Okay, E. The church in Ephesus failed in the matter of loving the Lord. Such a failure became the main reason for the failure of the church throughout the ages. So as they left their first love, the, the church became degraded. And that's the condition throughout the ages of church's failure, it's losing the first love. So we must treasure that. We must endeavor to maintain our love to the Lord, strengthen our love to the Lord, stir up our love uh, for the Lord, stir up one another's love to the Lord. So we, you know, how many of you stirred somebody to come this weekend? Did any of you stir somebody? Say, please come. Can you come? Put your hand up if you did. Put your hand up. Don't just hold your hand. So I can see it. Yeah, that's better. Good, good, good. That. Why did you do that? Because you're loved to the Lord and you want that person to enter in to the enjoyment of the Lord and the love of the Lord. You know, that's the best kind of shepherding. That's the best kind of gospel preaching. That's the best kind of work. We love the Lord and we just want to int introduce others to love the Lord as well. Right? And, but that's a failure. That's a failure of the church. Okay, so F says there are four main points. 
uh, in the Lord's epistle to the church in Ephesus. These four main points are four words which begin with the letter L. Love, life, light, and lampstand. Amen. So one says, we must give the Lord the preeminence in every way and in everything to recover our first love. So let's say you've gone a bit cold. Okay, you just need to spend some time. Lord, I want to recover my love to you. I want you to be first. Take away the things that are distracting me from you. Appeal to me. Show yourself to me. Recover my love. You know what happens when you do that? Then you start to enjoy him as the tree of life. Then you start being fed by him, being nourished by him, getting life. You start off loving him and it brings you to life. You are in life. And then when the life comes, you get light. So you have this phrase, uh, the light of life. Life comes and you're enlightened. You're brought into the light. So you have love, life, and light. And then look at two. Then we will be shining as the golden lampstand, as the testimony of Jesus. Otherwise, our lampstand will be removed. So the Lord said he was going to take the lampstand away from the church in Ephesus. So what is the lampstand? The lampstand is composed of those who love the Lord, who enjoy him as life, and are full of light. So it's the lampstand. How do you become a church? You know, somebody asked a question. We're talking about raising up the church in Cambridge. How do, how do we get the church in Cambridge? Love the Lord. Be full of life. And you'll shine as light and you're a lampstand. If you don't have those three things, no matter what kind of name you put on your thing, it's not, still not a lampstand. Isn't it interesting that the church in, in, in uh, Revelation is signified by a lampstand? should be shining out something. should be shining out something. So A says, the golden lampstand signifies the triune God, the Father as the substance, Embodied in the Son, the Son as the embodiment is expressed through the Spirit. The Spirit is fully realized and expressed as the churches. And the churches are the testimony of Jesus. So you have, you have the lampstand, you see it in Exodus, you see it in Zechariah, and you see it in Revelation. Actually, the lampstand was made all of gold. It's pure gold. So that signifies God. God is gold, right? But it had a form. It was shaped. So it had the form with the lamps, right? Like a lampstand. You know, you've got the stand, right? And then it has the light, which is the spirit shining. So it signifies the triune God. So the church should be the triune God showing out. That's what the church is. Church is not an arrangement of people doing different religious things. It's ones full of God, shining out God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So, 
B says, the divine thought, the golden lampstand, is actually a living and growing tree. It's like a tree, right? Uh, with calyxes and almond blossoms. Thus, the lampstand portrays the triune God embodied in Christ as a living golden tree of resurrection, growing, branching, budding, blossoming in us, with us, by us, and out of us as the fruit of light, the fruit of the Spirit, which is good in nature, righteous in procedure, real in expression, that God may be expressed as reality in our daily walk. You know, it talks about calyxes and blossoms. You know, uh, you know when you get a um, persimmon, you know, it's got this big green leafy thing at the bottom. That's the calyx. So that on the, on the tree, it, it form, forms that. And then the blossom comes out and then the fruit comes out of that. So this, this uh, golden lampstand, it had calyxes form. And it had blossoms. It was showing it's a living, it's a living tree. It's not just something get light. It signifies something living. And, and it's, uh, we become that lampstand. We get filled with the triune God. We get built up together. It's this lampstand is expressed in us. It's with us. And it's by us. And it's out of us. You know, when you, when you go as a person who hasn't been in the Lord's recovery and you go to a church, you should have the sense, wow, God is here being expressed. God is flowing out of these people. We had a sister one time visit us. She was from a denomination. It's right in the beginning. And she said, I got the sense God really loves these people. She didn't think, oh, there was a good preacher, a good band or something like that, or good singers. No, she had the sensation God loves these people. Because this was the expression of God. They were filled with God. That's our testimony. Our testimony is not the activities we do. You know? You know, some people might look at Hamilton and say, wow, Hamilton, look at it. Look, it's got a training center here. It's got a campus work. It's got children's work. It's got stars, holiday program. None of those are the lampstand. None of those are the lampstand. The saints are the lampstand. Are they filled with Christ? Are they shining him out? Are they eating him, enjoying him? If that's the case, it's a lampstand. You can have all of these works. And if you read that epistle in Revelation to the church in Ephesus, there are a lot of good things. Even this, the Lord said, you hate things that I hate. I also hate that. They're good things. But they lost the lampstand because they lost the love. Didn't have the first love toward the Lord. Amen. So Jesus says, eating the tree of life, that is enjoying Christ as our life supply should be something we do when we come to a sister's training. Should be something we do at the national conference. Should be something we do when we go on holiday. What should it be? The primary matter in the church life. Christ as the tree of life is good for food so that we may eat him. 
for our enjoyment to be constituted with him for God's expression. You know, we, we know um, you eat certain things, you express them. Uh, we had a brother one time who was on a carrot juice diet, is juicing carrots. He turned orange. <laughs> he did. His skin, his skin was, was looking like a carrot. Right? Listen, when you eat Jesus, you know who you look like? Yeah. Look like Jesus. You become like him. You express him. And our prim- that's our primary matter. What else is there to do? What else should we do? I, I've done all kinds of activities in my Christian life. You know, that's hard work. But eating Jesus, enjoying him as life, you shine out from him. There's something spontaneously happens that people are attracted by and touched with. That's the testimony of Jesus. That's the testimony. Oh, it's really funny. When we first, because I, w- I was involved in preaching the gospel every night on the streets and, and that before I came into recovery. Then I came into recovery and we stopped doing that and we just started calling on the Lord and pray reading and shouting and, and just having a good time. And we got criticized so much. But more people got saved when we did that than when we were out on the streets preaching to people. Now, we're preaching doctrine to them. But when we were calling, you know, even though even people criticized us so bad, once felt sorry for us, and then they came to see us, and they got caught. <laughs> got caught by the Lord. Right? It's, you know, you... you you can't fake enjoying the Lord. Right? And people can't argue against somebody enjoying the Lord. One, one time, Pauline and I were in this home meeting in Texas, and um, these two brothers were giving their testimony. And uh, they said they were invited to this meeting, and uh, it's a home meeting, and, and all. All, all, no, it may not have been a home meeting. It was a bigger meeting. And, and all the people, you know, were all really rejoicing, enjoying the Lord. And they're saying to one look at these people. They've got a silly grin. Look at them. All got this silly grin on their face. You know? And, 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 and then at the end of the meeting, one of the brothers got really touched by the Lord and he got saved. And his friend looked at him and goes, now you've got that silly grin. <laughs> <laughs> right. So this is this is the enjoyment, amen. The enjoyment we have with it. This is our primary matter to enjoy Christ as a tree of life. So one says the content of the church life depends on the enjoyment of Christ. The more we enjoy Him, the richer the content will be. But if the enjoyment of Christ, but to enjoy Christ requires that we love Him with the first love. So we love him, we enjoy him, and we bear the testimony. We have the content. Who was it that one of the sisters said, I think my problem is I haven't been spending time with the Lord. I don't have content when I come to the meeting. Right? But if you've been enjoying the Lord, you want to talk. You know, I said to Toby, I said, it's, it's a different kind of situation. When you come into this meeting, 
You're all talking like crazy. All of you. I hope you're not gossiping. But you're all talking. And I, I think it's really positive, right? But for some reason, when Toby says, now come up to the mic, Okay. Come up and let your joy overflow. Right? That's our t- that's our testimony. That's what the church life is. You may be outwardly, you may be just in a poor environment, but you're full of the enjoyment of the Lord. Listen, some of the saints in Burma, they like to join our conferences, but they can't get Wi-Fi in their village. They have to get on a motorbike and go up a hill for about 20 minutes. And then they get in range for some kind of transmission. But to get it, they have to hold up their phone. So they're up in the hill, some of them climbing up a tree, wrapped in a blanket because it's cold, and holding, holding their phone to get it. Do you think they love the Lord? <laughs> you, you, you see that, you're just so touched. This is, this is one's, you know, filled, filled with a fresh love for the Lord. Amen? So the content of the church depends on our enjoyment of Christ. Amen? Okay, Roman numeral three. This is very touching. The Lord's recovery is a definition of the Lord's recovery. The Lord's recovery is a recovery of loving the Lord Jesus. With the first love. That's what the Lord's recovery is. You're being recovered to love the Lord with the first love, the best love, and eating the Lord Jesus as the tree of life. People ask you, what's the recovery? Erina, what are you going to say? People ask you, what's the Lord's recovery? What are you going to say? Amen. And? Yes, that's the recovery. Are you in the recovery, Erina? Amen. Wow. When I read that, I was very touched. That's the Lord's recovery. That's what he's working to recover. The first love and our eating him as a tree of life. And this is for the building up of the organic body of Christ. The body of Christ is not built up by our activities. It's built up by our loving the Lord and eating the Lord. It results in the building up of the body of Christ. And it's ends up, which is the building up of the new Jerusalem as God's goal and eternal economy. Is this any different from what God said when he put Adam and Eve in the garden? You know, when he talked about Adam and Eve, let's make man in our image, likeness, let them have dominion, let them express us, let them represent us, stick them in a garden, Put life there. If they eat that, they start to love the Lord, they'll be the expression. We've been recovered to God's original intention. This is his eternal goal. So A says, to enjoy Christ as a tree of life, we must tell him all the time. Lord Jesus, I love you. 
if we have a burning love toward the Lord Jesus, giving him the first place in all things, we will enjoy all that he is. Amen. You know, there's an uh, amazing verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which has not come up in man's heart. Things which God has prepared for those who love him. Right. To enjoy Christ as a tree of life, we must tell him all the time, Lord Jesus, I love you. Amen. Amen. So B says, to believe in the Lord is to receive him as life. Right? So that's John one twelve. right? If you believe, you receive him. Many has believed in him, gave them authority to become the children of God. We believe to receive. But to love him is to enjoy him. Enjoy him as life. So we believe, we receive him, and we love him to enjoy him. To enjoy the very person whom we have received. Amen. Receive him and love him. I think that's what Janine did, didn't she, Ian? She received you to New Zealand and she loves you. Right? That's, that's a good picture. Good picture. How we should be. Receive the Lord and love Him. Right? To enjoy the very person we have received. Faith is given to us by God so that we may receive Christ as our life. Love issues out of such a wonderful faith and enables us to live out all the riches of the triune God in Christ as our life. Wow. Okay, see, the very life that we've received when we believed in the Lord Jesus is a person. The only way to apply and enjoy this person is by living him, loving him with the first love. Since the Lord Jesus is our life, is a person, we need to contact him to enjoy his present presence at this very moment and day by day. Yeah, so it's not like this methods. It's a person we're contacting. We're loving him. And, um, you know, these, these verses, uh, references here, um, I, just read, I just read a phrase uh, out of a number of them. I am. The resurrection. I am the way. The grace of the Lord. The love of Christ. He died for all. I have one thing against you. I am coming. I will give to eat of the tree of life. He is the head. He is the beginning. He himself might have the first place. We're buried with him. What's the impression you get there? There's a person. It's not a thing. We're connected to a person. We're linked to a person. So D says, give yourself to love the Lord. No other way is so prevailing. No other way is so faith, so rich, so, sorry, so safe, so rich, and so full of enjoyment. Just love Him. Do not care for anything else. Remember, Martha was caring for lots of things. She's distracted, right? Mary chose to be, just love him. 
when we love him, he will manifest himself to us. And he and the Father will come to us and make their abode with us. You know, when the Lord said this, you know, if any man loves me, the Father will love him, and we will come to him and make an abode with him. And my Father will love him. Do you want to get into a love relationship? God does. If you love him, he will love you. And he and the Father, the Lord and the Father, will come and make an abode and will love us. This will be a house of love. This is the Lord's desire. Remember, love is the inner substance of God. He's bringing us into that. Amen. And that's what the church is. It's, it's the house where the Father with the Son and the believers are together in love. Amen. Whoa. So when we love him, he will manifest himself to us. And he and the Father will come to us and make their abode with us. Thus, we need to pray prayers such as, Lord, show me your love. Constrain me with your love, that I may love you and live to you. Lord, keep me loving you all the time. We must continually tell the Lord, Lord Jesus, I love you. Lord, keep me in your love. Attract me with yourself. Keep me all the time in your loving present presence. So maybe when we have prayer at the end of this meeting, you can pray these prayers. The more we love him, the more we will have his presence in our fellowship with him. Uh, for us to be in the Lord's recovery is an intrinsic way for us to love the Lord Jesus. If we do not love him, we are finished with his recovery. Because it's a recovery of loving the Lord and eating the tree of life. Amen. So Jesus says, based upon this, we should sing and pray. I love my Lord, but with no love of mine, for I have none to give. I love thee, Lord, but all the love is thine. For by thy love I live. Something every heart is loving. If not Jesus, none can rest. Lord, my heart to thee is given. Take it, for it loves thee best. Amen. So, we love the Lord. We eat the tree of life. We get full of life. And we become the lampstand. This is how the Lord gets his testimony. This is how the Lord can have his church life today. Okay, so how about we pray? We pray the prayer with one another.